Word of God. And Father, we thank you for blessing us with uh, uh, information, instruction, revelation, Father, from your Word that, that it, uh, expresses who you are, Father, and what you desire, uh, both from us and what you desire to give to us, Father. And so we thank you for these things, Lord. We come to your Word humbly, uh, yielded to the Spirit of God to rely upon Him to teach and to instruct and to guide. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, praise God. You know, one of the things, uh, as I study the Word of God, my expectation uh, whenever I study is that the Spirit of God is always there with me and that the, the Spirit of God, the, the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and active. Uh, and so it's not just dead words on a page, uh, black and white words on a page. Now, there's life uh, in, there's, in a supernatural uh, activity in the Word of God. And so uh, that's why you can go back to the same verse uh, different times over, the, over your lifespan uh, and see different things from the same verse that uh, you may have read a dozen times before. And so, uh, and I think I mentioned on Sunday that uh, we have our new uh, Bible reading schedule on the back table there. And I'd encourage you, you know, uh, have a goal to read through the New Testament at least each year. And that's five chapters a week. Uh, and so, uh, and, and chapters in a Bible are a lot shorter than chapters like in a novel, right? A chapter in a novel could be uh, 20 or 30 pages. Uh, the chapters in the Bible aren't that, uh, aren't that long, right? Even in the book, of, in the gospel, some of them are be maybe uh, 80 verses long, but that's only a page or two, you know, uh, when you get, get down to it. So, of course, it depends on how big your print is on your Bible. If you get the large print, that's like, that's like 14 pages, right? But, um, uh, and so... Uh, but it's, it's, a good, it's good to read the Word of God. And what you'll find is uh, if, you'll, if you'll commit to reading the Word of God, it gets easier because uh, you start filling in the gaps and um, uh, you go back and you read it a second time uh, and you start remembering, oh, I read that story before. Uh, and then you, you start remembering other things that you didn't remember in the first time around. And so uh, it is easier the more that you read the Word of God because it becomes something that you look forward to. You Oh, I... Oh, uh, a story, and I remember how the story ends, or, I, or maybe I forgot how the story ends, but I remember the story, and so you start anticipating uh, what you're reading, and <clears throat> uh, especially in the first five books of the, of the uh, New Testament, which are the history books, and then you get into the doctrinal books. Um, and I was reading uh, the book of Romans the other day, uh, get around chapter 9, and in chapter 9, Paul starts, talk, starts talking about the, the Israelites and how they were the carriers of the covenant of God and, and how that is, it was of great value to be a Jew. Uh, and it just really encouraged me about uh, uh, to continue to pray for the Jewish nation because uh, he speaks fondly of them. You know, some Christians will speak uh, despairingly, despairingly toward the, the Jewish race. Well, they should be Christians, you know, and yes, they should be, but uh, they carried the covenant of God longer than the church has been around. Uh, and so they did it... Uh, partially successfully, right? <laughs> they had a lot of, a lot of struggles, but they, they uh, watched over the Word of God over those centuries, and we got uh, the Old Testament, and we're thankful for that. Uh, and so uh, it ushered in the arrival of the Lord Jesus, so uh, uh, the church should not be hard, uh, uh, hard on, the, on the Jewish nation, amen? Uh, and so here we are in the book of Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we're, we're about to wind up uh, the book here. <clears throat> we finished up last week talking about verse 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, and that word do there is, is, I think it's a big word, right? It's not, you know, you think do, that's not, that's you're just doing things, right? Uh, but it means to be strong, to be robust, to be in sound health, to have power uh, as shown by extraordinary deeds, to have strength to overcome and to be a force. And so it's a very strong word there. Uh, and so uh, if you can do all things through Christ, the reason why you can do all things through Christ is because it says in there that which strengtheneth me uh, because of uh, that strength, then, then you are a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and, uh, and that's a spiritual force. Uh, and if you think about it, if, if, uh, if we would yield to our spirit man, if we would develop our spirit man to be strong and healthy, then much of life is, is very easy to deal with. Uh, when, when, when things come and, you know, things happen to everybody, you know, life happens to everybody. The Bible never implies that, that a Christian will never have to deal with anything. Uh, the, uh, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord does what? Delivers, Delivers them out of how many? 
all, if he delivers you out of all the afflictions, that means that the afflictions have come into your life and, and something has to happen for you to be delivered out of that affliction. And a lot of times what happens uh, in the church when an affliction comes, instead of standing strong in faith and being a doer, right? I can do all things through Christ. So when, it, when affliction comes, you stand strong and I can, I can take care of this, no problem, because of the strength of God in me. A lot of Christians change their confession of woe is me and why is this happening to me and why is this always, I'm always the first one for this to happen to and here we go again. And, uh, and they basically negate uh, the value of the word of God. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot of times Christians, uh, they look around and they wonder, well, why is my life so difficult? Well, the, the Bible is full of promises of great strength and deliverance, but it has to be acquired by faith. It doesn't, it doesn't happen automatically. And that's, the, that's the, the conflict that much of the church has is they, they wonder why God is not sovereignly doing these things and delivering them from their afflictions and, uh, and strengthening them and uh, helping them overcome things just because he wants to. Uh, he said, I can do all these things, but you have to choose to believe that, that uh, I will do these things by faith. You have to look at the word of God and where it says, I can do all things through Christ with, 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 uh, through Christ with strength with me. Do you believe that? Well, you know, it did happen last time. Well, then you don't believe it. Then, then you don't think you can do all things through Christ. You think you can do some things through Christ, which strengthens you. But other things just, you know, hang on for the best, right? And much of the church, they, they go through life uh, just grinning and bearing it and putting up with it and suffering through it. But they never overcome it, right? They never, they never have the victory in the middle of it. You know, you ought to be able to, in the middle of the victory, uh, somebody ought to walk by and go, that person hasn't got a care in the world. In the middle of the affliction, somebody ought to walk by and go, you know, uh, I bet they've never had anything to deal with. And you're full of afflictions right now, but you, but you have faith that you're going to overcome them and you'll walk through them and have victory in them, in the middle of them. Amen. <clears throat> and uh, you hear a lot of Christians talk about, oh, how many battle scars have you got, brother? How goeth the war? You know, and they want you to elevate the war. Oh, it's tough, brother. You know, it's tough home, but, you know, I, I think I'm going to make it. And they, 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 they act like the war is this big thing. And uh, and if you really can do all things through Christ with strengthened you, then the war is already won. The Lord has already won the battle. So what, what's, the, what's the difficulty? You know, the, for, for me, the only thing that I ever consider is, you know, Lord, this is really annoying. You know, and that's about it, right? Lord, I, I just don't, I, I'd rather not have to deal with this. It takes time. I mean, you know, some of these things, you can do all things, but it takes time to do all things, doesn't it, right? If you have... Now, if you've got to spend extra time in prayer to overcome, you know, whatever somebody's doing to you or, or sickness or disease or whatever, uh, it takes time to do that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you'd rather be doing other things, right? And so uh, to me, it's just uh, the devil and his, uh, his actions are just an annoyance to me. It's not anything I can't overcome. Uh, and so <clears throat> I'm not going to change my confession because an affliction uh, tries to come into my life. And I'm not going to hook up with the affliction. And I'm not going to elevate the devil and talk about the devil and all, all that he does. Because just, he's just a gnat, you know. Uh, anybody ever just talk about, oh, you remember that fly that landed on me, you know, 18 years ago on a Tuesday? What did it do? It landed on me. Well, what else did it do? Nothing. It just landed on me. And, but it, it was there, you know. And, and, but they can remember everything that happened about it. Well, it, you know, you don't even give thought to a fly. You just shoot away and you go on and... Well, that, that, that should be the kind of general attitude we have in dealing with, with the enemy of mankind and the afflictions that he tries to bring into our life. It's just a thing, amen? Uh, and um, we should always make sure that our confession lines up with the Word of God. And that's probably the, uh, probably the biggest failing of people in their consistent faith walk with the Lord is, what are you saying? What words are you saying? What's your confession of faith? Do you have a confession of faith? Or are you just hooking up with the affliction of woe is me and why is it so hard and how come they're doing this to me and uh, uh, here we go again and um, uh, all those things it just uh, it can be exasperating, especially around people of faith. Uh, and, and you know, I remember it was just a, a minor thing, uh, but um, when Dr. Ed Dufresne was on the earth, he had, he had uh, come to our church to minister and I had to go pick him up at the airport. And so when I, when I picked him up, we were driving uh, to town, and um, he had a catalog looking at new airplanes, right? And, and so I, I said, uh, have you got one of those on your wish list? Because I'm thinking like Amazon, you know, you go on Amazon, you put on your wish list of things that you want people to buy you. Uh, and and uh, 
he, uh, and he just rebuked me right there. He said, I don't have a, uh, he said it really gruff, I don't have a wish list, I have a faith list. Uh, and, you know, people, you know, oh, he's being awful touchy. Well, it's not that he was being touchy, it's he's guarding his confession. And he expects me to guard my confession too and not be sloppy uh, with my confession. Because a lot of times Christians are sloppy in their confession. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, well, you know, that just, uh, that just, well, you just never know. You just never know what the Lord's going to do. And yet the Bible says, at least, you know, in Colossians 1 9, that you can be filled with the real knowledge of His will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So if you can be filled with the real knowledge of His will, then can you actually say you just never know what the Lord's going to do uh, in relation to your life? Now, you may never know what, what He's going to do to that guy over there or to that country over there. Now, you could ask Him, He might tell you. But as far as your life is concerned, uh, most Christians live through life just, it's a mystery. What's going to happen? Oh, I have no idea. You know, what's, what's around the corner? Who knows, right? Uh, it could be good, it could be bad. Uh, and and they, just, they just kind of stumble through life. It's, it's, their whole life is a mystery. Uh, and yet the Bible says that we can be filled with the knowledge of his will. Uh, and so, uh, but your, if your confession is, you just never know what the Lord's going to do. And the Lord's like, you know, it's just fixing to tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. But since, since you just confess that, uh, that you can't know what, I'm, what uh, my will is, then, then I'm constrained, I'm frustrated, and not being able to tell you my will because your words have declared that, that I can't tell you my will. Uh, and the Lord, see, the Lord will not violate your will. He will not override your will. Shut up, dummy, I'm going to tell you anyway. He's not going to do that. Now, he may tell you dummy. He may call you a dummy, right? The Lord wouldn't be unkind, but, but uh, he will be frank with you oftentimes. And he'll say, well, the reason why you never know what's, what's happening is because your confession is that you never know what's, what's going to happen. Uh, and if you'll change your confession, that I always know the will of God. Uh, if there's anything important in my life, I will know what, what the will of God is uh, in, in that moment. Uh, because the word of God says, I can be filled with the knowledge of his will. And if I don't know the will of God, that's my prayer. I go to the Lord and say, Lord, you said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask the Lord, and he'll give you uh, uh, liberally and upbraideth not. And you said that you can fill me with the knowledge of your will. So I, I need to know what to do in this, in this situation. And I thank you that you will show me. And I don't expect to ha- for it to happen that, that second, that instant. It could. Uh, but I expect it to be revealed. Well, how does he reveal it? Well, it, it's uh, the primary way that the Lord will reveal his will is just an, uh, an inward unction. You just have a knowledge on the inside of you. I know what to do. We're going to go to plan B over here. That's the... Well, why does it plan B? It just, it just in my heart, that's, that seems like the right thing to do. Uh, and you practice that, and you, and you uh, try that out. And, and, you know, if you fail, uh, and you probably will fail at least once or twice in that, you go to the Lord, so, Lord, why, why did I, you know, I picked plan, picked plan B, and it seemed to be a failure. Uh, did I do something wrong? And, you know, if your heart is open to the Lord, he may show you, well, you know, really, you just wanted plan B, uh, even though plan A was better, but you just wanted plan B, and, and instead of being neutral and letting me show you the best plan, uh, you decided what the best plan was. And so you weren't really sincere in asking me. Uh, you know, you ever, you ever see people come up and ask you, you know, should I do A or B? And, and they're already going to do B anyway. Uh, well, I think you should A. Well, okay, I'm going to do B. Well, why'd you ask me, right? And so, uh, how, you ever done that to the Lord? Lord, should I do A or B? Do A. Okay, I'm going to do B. And the Lord's like, uh, well, you know, that happened. That has happened more than once, I'm sure, in all of humanity. So if you're going to know the will of God, uh, you've got to be willing to hear it and willing to execute it to the best of your ability. Well, Lord, I don't really want to do, I don't really want to do uh, A. Well, you know, uh, you've got to get settled in your heart that, that if he tells you, you know, there's a lot of things that you don't have to go to heaven to ask. You know, uh, I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't in any prayer fasting when I got up and picked a tie out this morning. I just picked a tie out because I thought, well, I like that tie, right? And, and uh, there wasn't any, it wasn't spiritual at all. It was just that tie. And I didn't think about, would Chris approve of this tie? And, and that, that's as far as we got, right? I didn't ask, didn't think about the Lord at all uh, because it's just a tie, right? And so uh, sometimes people hyper-spiritualize things to where it gets out of, out of balance there. And so can you do all things through Christ which strengthens you? Yeah. Is that, do you believe that, right? So it, it doesn't matter what you say, you have to, Believe it, because confession is not, uh, the value of confession is not in the mechanics of saying the words, yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. You don't believe that uh, uh, for a second. You know, you're saying the words, but you don't believe the words. So there's value in saying the words. Uh, in fact, there has been plenty of times when just in confession, I'll say something, and, and then I'll just, I'll, I'll catch myself, and, and I'll realize, 
I don't believe a word I just said. Now, I, I confess the word, but I don't believe it for a second that what I said is going to come to pass. And so I, then I go back and I, and I meditate on the word. I go back and read it again. I go back and, uh, and say, Lord, will you really do this for me? Lord, is this promise, does this promise belong to me? Uh, and I meditate and I, and I talk to the Lord about it and I read the scripture again until I get settled in my heart that, yes, this verse belongs to me. This promise belongs to me. Uh, and then once I have that, then I can go back and say again, in faith, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the correct confession uh, is never, um, I can't do it. You know, it may be true that you don't want to do it, and, that's, and that may be even reasonable. You know, who wants to do things that are uncomfortable or, or uh, shameful that, that the Lord needs you to go and do something that may cause you shame, right, uh, or may cause you embarrassment, but the Lord needs you to do it, right? Or it may be difficult to go talk to somebody or to, to be involved in a situation. I'm not talking about sinful things, obviously, but, uh, but the Lord may, may put you in situations that you would rather not be there. Uh, and so uh, you can do them uh, even if you don't want to do them, amen? Uh, and so it's, uh, uh, I, I think there's a the difference between uh, your preference uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's too much of a nuance to even, to even discuss that. But, you know, uh, there's plenty of things that, that uh, I'll do. It's like, well, Lord, I'd, I'd rather not do that, but uh, I'm glad to do it because you've asked me to. But, you know, if, uh, uh, if there's somebody else that could do this or didn't have to be done, I'd rather not do it. Uh, but, you know, you know, some people do it, uh, and they're prisoners as they're doing it, right? Uh, well, that's not really the attitude you need to have. You need to, you need to be willing to do whatever the Lord asks you to do, even if, even if, not, if it's not something that you would normally uh, sign up to do. Amen? Uh, and so, so Paul is telling... Now, in the context of this, he's talking about his financial st- uh, status and where, he, where, uh, where he's been, because he said, I learned how to be both abased and be abound. Uh, and he said, I can do all things through Christ. So uh, if he's got a lot of money, he's good. If he's got no money, he's still good. Uh, and so in the context of that, uh, you know, that, that should help us because we read earlier in, over in First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 6 about how the love of money is the root of all evil uh, because uh, if for some people, if they don't have a lot of money or they, have, they don't have money coming in, uh, then uh, they get under pressure and they don't think they're going to make it. Uh, and so then the confession starts getting it, uh, in, a, in a negative way. Uh, and oftentimes because of that, then it'll pressure them to, instead of being content where they're at, even without the money, they go and start doing things that are, that are kind of shady, right? And, and uh, uh, maybe not the, the highest moral standards of things, cut corners in their, in their ethics or morality uh, because they have to have money. And, and Paul said, you know, contentment uh, is, uh, is of great value, amen? Godliness with the contentment is, is, is of great value. Uh, and so... I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Uh, and so the, the way, uh, the, and for me and Chris, this has always been our confession, anything the, the Lord has called us to do, uh, we have the grace to, to do it. And, and if you'll believe that, see, then you'll always be okay. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if you've got kids, then you have the grace to be a parent. And some, some parents are like, I just can't be a parent. Are they your kids? Yeah, then God has given you the grace, and if, you'll, uh, if you will acquire it by faith, then you can do it. You got a new job, yeah, then you have the grace to do the job. I just can't do this job. Uh, did the Lord give you that job? Did you pray for that job? Do you believe it's the will of God for you to be in that job? Then you can do it, right? Uh, you have the grace to do it, God's ability working in you to accomplish His will. And, and so e- even if it seems insurmountable, even if it seems too difficult, uh, you have the grace to do it. Uh, and if you'll confess that, see, then you can get through the situation. If it's uncomfortable or difficult, uh, you can get through it by faith. And, that, and it's a lot better to get through it by faith than get through it by warfare, amen? Through uh, arrows and, and bombs and, uh, and uh, machetes. And, you know, people oftentimes succeed, but they come out all bloody and to- uh, beat up and, and wore out, right? And, yeah, they made it, but, uh, you know, they look kind of bedraggled after the, the whole situation, uh, and it's like, well, the, but there's no victory in that, you know. Uh, I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You come out and nobody could tell they were in a fire. I want to be like Daniel. You know, he came out of the lion's den. Uh, uh, and uh, not a scratch on him, right? Uh, and somebody else said, that looks like a little lion's hair. Let me pick that off of your jacket there. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the way I want to be, that when I get done with the, with the uh, situation, nobody can tell I went through anything. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and so if you'll maintain your confession throughout it uh, by saying things like, I can, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, then you'll be well. All will be well. Amen? Uh, and so in verse 14, it says, Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. And so, again, he's talking about the situations where he was abased and he, uh, he was abounded. In this case, he was talking about when in the, the times that he was abased or brought low, he said, uh, you, you have helped me. You've been a, a great blessing to me that you did communicate uh, with me in my affliction. And, and different transitions bring out that there was pressure in his life, uh, that uh, they had fellowship in his affliction, or, or really uh, the word communicate there has, uh, implies uh, a level of partnership, right? So not just... Uh, sending him assistance, but also desiring to be part of, of what he was doing and uh, in what he was engaged with. Uh, and so uh, they helped him in reflection. And, and uh, one joint said they helped him when he was in trouble. Uh, and so they were, they were, uh, they, they came through for Paul, right? And see his faith uh, got him through from the time that he was in the affliction until the time that the Philippian churches uh, uh, assistance arrived in his life, right? So the, the church at Philippi did send him some, some financial assistance. Uh, and of course, he, he's saying, you, you did well in doing that. Uh, and so there was a need there. I wasn't uh, under affliction or in, uh, in, um, in trouble or under pressure. And, and you assisted me in that moment. Uh, in fact, let's turn over to, uh, we'll just read a little context here over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, it's going the other direction there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, he's saying here, in, let's start in verse, uh, uh, verse 1 here. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do know, uh, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their great, great or their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power... I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Uh, and so uh, here, uh, when he said, uh, he, so he, he's talking to the church at Corinth, but he's mentioning the church in the, the churches, plural, of Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is a region, right? And so Philippi was a city, so Philippi was a city in the region of Macedonia. So uh, in that area, there were apparently multiple churches, not just the church at Philippi, but uh, other churches that had come together and sent uh, Paul some, some level of financial assistance. And he's telling that, that, uh, uh, that it was a great trial of affliction for them to do this. But they decided that it was, it was, it was more valuable to send the assistance to Paul than to... Uh, than to meet their own needs. In fact, he said, in their deep poverty. Uh, and so uh, now uh, we will talk later on. Paul doesn't expect, the Lord doesn't expect, uh, and no church should expect that you give to the point where that you're suffering. Amen? It's not God's plan that the church suffers so that the pastor can be blessed. Amen? Or the administrator should be blessed. Uh, and yet there's been a lot of, a lot of ministers who uh, will harm people financially by pressuring them to give to them, right? And, and, and then the people end up uh, being broke or they sell their house or they sell their family jewels or whatever and, and they, they end up with regret for having been a blessing to the ministry uh, because oftentimes the ministry will put, put people under pressure. Well, if you don't give, we're going to go under, right? If you've got to give, uh, uh, God loves, you know, a, a, a bountiful giver, right? Uh, a cheerful giver. Uh, and so... Now, there's, uh, there's so much shenanigans that go on in the area of finances in the church. Uh, but uh, so Paul, you know, he's not saying, that, well, you should do the same, right? He, you know, he's not saying, well, you should uh, give until you're in poverty. Uh, surely he's, he's not saying that at all. Uh, but he is commending them uh, that they did that, right? That there was a great need in their, in their lives, personal lives, and yet they still saw the need for Paul and said, well, we've got to help them. Uh, and and, you know, the Lord, if you do that by faith, right, without any pressure from the outside, but if just in your heart you have such a desire to help, and even in your poverty you, you, you decide to give, uh, the Lord will bless that. Uh, you know, I remember uh, Kenneth Copeland was talking about how 
uh, that uh, all he had to give one time was the pencil that they gave him to write his, uh, on his offering envelope. And he put that in the offering because that's all he had. He didn't have any money. Uh, and, and I think uh, Brother Copeland has done okay for himself. Uh, and people say, well, they, you know, he shouldn't have all that money, right? And they, they complain about all the money he's got. And I think he's got multiple jet airplanes. And uh, do I care? I don't care. Does the Lord care? The Lord doesn't care, so why should I care, right? Um, and well, he, you know, he could do something else with that money. I think he's got plenty of money he could do, buy the airplanes and do the something else, right? Uh, and so is it any of my business uh, what they do or, or how they spend their money? Uh, not any more than, than it's their business how I spend my money, amen? Or, or my business how you spend your money. Uh, you want to tell me how you spend your money? Uh, and so it's none of my business, right? Uh, and so, uh, so they, were to, they were to be commended, right? Uh, he said, you've done well in doing this. Uh, and he said, there was a great uh, uh, trial of affliction or a great time of much trouble, uh, and yet uh, you still abounded under the riches of your liberality. Um, and so uh, they, they, uh, uh, they chose to do that, Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, for anybody in particular, if you're ever going to do something like that, you need to make sure it's entirely your choice and nobody is pressuring you to do that, right? Well, you need to sign, sign your house over to the church, right? You need to give your property to the church. And how many widows have been just uh, sheared by the church, right? You sign, just sign over your inheritance, you know, to the, to the church, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, it's unfortunate that those things have happened, and yet... It's still, you know, it still, it happened here, right? They chose to give, to give uh, even beyond their really, uh, their ability to do that. Uh, but they chose to do it, amen? So we're not going to fault them for doing that. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got to find a balance uh, of these things in receiving, right? On the receiving side, you know, well, Paul should have rejected that. You know, that, that's a tough call because uh, if their faith is, I need to give this to you, uh, and, and you reject their gift, then, then you've rejected their, their faith, right? Um, and so, you know, you have, to, uh, you have to decide in your own heart. Uh, and there's been times that uh, I've wept by receiving, when I've received an offering from somebody uh, because I knew that it, it was a great, uh, it was a great uh, uh, thing for them to give that, and that they were so adamant to give, you know, I received it with grace, uh, but still, you know, uh, when they leave, you know, I, I'm weeping because uh, in prayer for them, because, Lord, I know that this was a, a, a big thing for them to give this. And, and what they gave wasn't a, wasn't a, numerically wasn't a big amount, but I knew for them it was a big, a big deal. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, you, you have to find that balance in those things. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, so would you receive an offering from a widow? I mean, I, I don't coerce anybody from anything, and I'm, I'm not going to steal uh, uh, your blessing from you by rejecting your gift. Uh, and so it, uh, I know people think that sounds self-serving, uh, but uh, if I was going to give you something uh, and you rejected it, uh, I would be, you know, insulted, right? I don't care what you think I need it or don't need it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, Right. Uh, and really, you know, if you want to be a person of faith, you have to be just as good at receiving as you are giving. And a person of great faith is very good at giving, and they're very good at receiving. You know, people of kind of average faith is pretty good at giving, but they're terrible receivers, right? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, there's some people, you know, they're just, they just they have a hard time receiving. Amen. Now, there are some people who manipulate to receive, right? Oh, I sure wish I had that thing that you've got, right? You know? Uh, we were we were we were uh, gonna get a new vehicle one time, and someone said, you know, I, I I've always wanted a vehicle just like that one you have, you know. I oh, sure wish I could afford one like that. That's really nice, you know. And you know how people just hint around and and, uh, and do things like that. Well, that's not faith, right? That that's manipulation, uh, and um, uh, uh, I'm immune to that, right? I told you the guy came in and I said, hey, how's it going? He goes, oh, I'm just. I'm just walking up and down the roads, hoping I can find a quarter or some change to buy me a cup of coffee, you know. And, and I said, well, I'll, I'll hook up with your faith. You know, I hope you find it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, he didn't manipulate me. And give, now, I, I, got, I had plenty of dollars in my pocket. I could have given him a dollar to get a cup of coffee somewhere, right? Or, or if he's going to Starbucks, I had a $20 bill. You know, you can get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Uh, and so, um, but, 
you know, I'm just not under pressure to be manipulated, amen? Well, you should have helped him. He should, he should have had faith, right? He should have said, because he could have come and said, hey, uh, you, got, uh, you, you got $5 to go buy a cup of coffee? Sure, here you go. He could have asked. Didn't the Lord say ask? The Lord never said, him haw around and, and you'll be given unto you. He said, ask. Uh, if you need something, you should ask, right? If I, if I have a need, I'll just ask, right? Hey, have you got a minute to help me with this? I, I don't care to ask, right? Now, you could say no. It's fine. I, you know, if you say no, it's okay. I'll just go do it myself. No problem. But, uh, but um, you know, there's nothing around about him hawing with faith. If you need something, you should ask, right? If you, if you want somebody to help you, right? Uh, if, you need, if you need some financial help, uh, it's okay to ask. I, I got no problem with that. Amen. Uh, but at the same time, if you ask, that means I have a right to say yes or I have the right to say no. Uh, and I do my best to see, hear what the Lord wants me to do. Because just because you ask, you know, if you ask amiss, right? Remember what James said, if you ask amiss, you don't receive. If you're just asking to manipulate or you're asking because, you know, you don't want to work or whatever, right? I mean, I had one guy come in here and said, hey, I need some, I need some help. Are you working anywhere? No. Uh, well, uh, were you working somewhere? Yeah, I was working at Lazy Boy. What happened? Well, the boss said something I didn't like. I just quit. I said, so how's that working out for you? Uh, you know, it's so now you're in the church that you don't go to uh, asking for money because you quit because the boss said something you didn't like. Well, what did he say? You know, I'd ask him what he said, but it's probably like, hey, you need, get, you need to work, right? <laughs> Some people's like, if you just tell them they should work, they don't like it. Well, who are you? I'm, well, last time I checked, I'm your boss, right? Uh, and so, so um, you know, there is balance in that. And, and we've got to be immune from the world because the world's always trying to dictate to the church how we should operate. Because the, the world will say things like, well, the pastor should never make any more money than the poorest person in the church. Well, Jesus said you'll always have the poor with you, so you're stuck. If, that, if you're going to go by that rule, then you're stuck because you're always going to have poor people in church, right? Uh, I mean, as long as we've been in church, there's been people who, who have no finances in the church, zero finances, right? Who make no money, make no, uh, don't make any money at all. Uh, and so is that, is that, is that the deal? Is that, is that how we should operate? No, but the, but the world loves to, you know, well, you can't be, you know, you can't be, you know, well off as, as a minister. In fact, I was talking to a bank executive uh, and um, he was saying he was having a hard time with his pastor because his pastor, uh, his pastor had uh, apparently had a nice house uh, and, he, and uh, he was asking for a raise. And now this, this bank executive who making pretty good money, I imagine, right? Well, he shouldn't be making that much money. You know, he's already got a house. And, you know, uh, it's a calling. It's a calling. It's not a job. It's a calling. I'm like, what's, what's that mean? I mean, it's a calling. And so, therefore, you're not allowed to make as much money as you make. I mean, you're pretty comfortable. You know, you have everything you want. And two, two of them, actually, right? Two of everything you want. I mean, you seem to be pretty comfortable, but you don't want your pastor to, to be as comfortable as that? You know, well, it's a, it's a calling. I, I, did, I didn't understand. I, and to this day, I said, I don't know what that means. What, uh, is a calling mean that you're not allowed to be financially stable as a, as a minister? Uh, well, how much money is too much money? I don't know. How much money is enough money? I don't know. You know, there's no number on it. Uh, and, and we shouldn't dictate things, you know. Uh, and I know there, there is wisdom in things, and I believe we run this church financially uh, with a lot of wisdom. We're just giving a lot of wisdom, uh, and um, you know we, we make sure that that, uh, that 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 what you do for me is not the majority of what we do in this church, uh, and and, um, and it's not even close. And, uh, and I make sure that I make sure of that, right? Uh, that uh, because uh, technically, you know, if we're going to live in this country and abide by the laws of this country, uh, it would be illegal for me to set up this church so that all the money that we receive in this church goes to my account. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can't do things like that. Well, not legally anyway, right? I'm sure people do it. And, but some people are of the opinion that the pastor, uh, all the money comes in this, in this ministry belongs to the pastor because I'm the head of the ministry. Well, I don't believe that at all. I believe all the money belongs to the ministry. And the ministry will choose to, to, uh, to give, uh, give me whatever it chooses to give, right? And we, of course, we get all those uh, approved to do all those things. And so, uh, but, uh, but we have to be careful of allowing the world to dictate uh, what we do, right? Uh, I know there, there was, uh, there's some, uh, a lot of uh, strong feelings and emotions about uh, the weather's turning cold and people say, well, all these churches need to open up their churches to the homeless, right? And I always love that, you know, because there's never said, 
no, they, they don't get on there and say, hey, let everybody know, I just opened up my house to, to six homeless people that are going to spend the night tonight, you know, my house, the next three nights because it's cold. Uh, just letting everybody know so you can do the same thing. Uh, nobody, they're not saying that. They're saying, you, here's what you need to do. And anytime somebody tells me what they think I should do, it's none of their business, right? Uh, and I don't got no problem. The church wants to open up their, uh, their uh, the building to the homeless. That's fine. You know, but from my perspective, well, the homeless could come to church and be part of this church anytime. I mean, they're homeless. They got nothing else to do. They could just come to church here, right? And if they came to church here, they'd have access to all the blessings of this ministry. Uh, and so, uh, and we'd pray for them and help them and, and teach them faith to help them get out of their situation and assist them as much as needed, right? Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be uncaring in those things at all. Uh, and if they came by here, you know, we'd help them as best we could. Uh, but, um, you know, but they're not going to dictate how the church runs because they, they want the church to quit being spiritual and supernatural and only be the Salvation Army and only be a natural uh, organization where all we do is help people with blankets and food and, and the spiritual side of things are, are really not nearly as important. Well, they're the most, they're the, I mean, Jesus had gone to all the world to preach the gospel. In the whole Great Commission, he, he, he has nothing to say about the natural needs of the people that you're delivering the gospel to. Now, other times he did do that, right? He did help, the, he did feed the people, right? And that's the only thing that I know he did. I don't know that he, he never had any uh, housing situation set up for anybody, but he did feed the people on, a, on occasion. But it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a ministry of food, right? He didn't have, uh, like some churches, you can go there every Tuesday and get food, right? He didn't do anything like that. It was a single event that occurred. It, it occurred twice. Uh, and so, uh, because the primary responsibility of church is the spiritual aspect of things, Amen. The natural aspects of the secondary things, they're necessary sometimes to help people to get them stable financially. But I, I know uh, over the years, many times people come to church here and they're just, their whole life is in a disarray. The, the job situation is a mess. And, and we talk to them, we help them, we, we provide for them, you know, uh, uh, sometimes finances for, uh, for housing or for food or for clothes and buy them things. And, uh, and then they get stable and they, they never come back. Uh, and so, uh, so does that mean you're not going to do it? We'll do it tomorrow. I mean, we do it, you know, it, it, I have no, I have, I don't care if they've done it a thousand times. If the Lord wants us to do it, we'll do it a thousand and one times. Uh, so it's fine. So, but we, but we have to be under, we have to be careful not to let the world to pressure the church and what to do. Well, you should, you know, you shouldn't be making all that money. You should be giving all that money to the poor. What's well, to you what I do with the money, right, in, uh, in the ministry? Uh, if you're not part of this ministry, right? I mean, if you're part of the ministry, I think you have a right to know. Uh, but um, again, I don't care. I mean, you know, uh, the homeless do need help. Uh, uh, well, I'd, I'd like to sit down. Well, why are you homeless? You know, uh, there's been people who come to church here and they, they said they were homeless. And I said, I'll tell you what, you come by here tomorrow or weekday because it was on a, on a Sunday. You come by tomorrow. I'll take you all over town, all over the county, all over the next county because uh, he, he had all of his, all of his uh, information stolen. I said, I'll pay to get you a new license and a new social security card and new whatever so you can get a job. Never showed up. I mean, more than once that happened. Uh, you, know, I, I'll, what, you know, I'll be glad to help somebody that, that way. Uh, and yet, um, but uh, there's something in me that says you've got your part, right? That you, that you have to step up uh, and be responsible and show up here tomorrow, right? You've got to be responsible and do your part, right? Uh, and what if that, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there, you know, maybe something happened, there was a reason he didn't come. But, you know, I'm st it's been a, a, about a year and a half. I'm still waiting on him to show up. So I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere. Uh, so, again, you know, we're not going to be unkind, and you shouldn't be unkind to people that have got uh, difficult situations. Um, but, um, you know, the thing about the Word of God, it's very goal-oriented. Faith will get you out of whatever situation you're in, right? He will deliver you from all the afflictions. He's not intending for you to stay in your affliction. He, so then how do I get out of my affliction? If you're homeless, then, then the, the question for you would be by faith, how do you get out of the situation? Uh, and there could be a lot of things, right? It could be health, could be mental issues, could be lack of a job, could be, you know, there's a lot of things, right? Uh, but but are, there, are there any homeless people that, that just don't want to work? There's probably some, but um, I, I don't, I'm not going to judge any of them until I talk to them, right? I'm not going to make sweeping accusations against them that, oh, they're all lazy and they just, they, they wanted to be that way. I don't know that, you know, I don't know what, what, what transpired to cause them to be that. 
mean, a lot of times it's a medical issue that occurred and they get behind financially and they lost everything. I mean, there's all kinds of situations like that. So we shouldn't be unkind to them and, and we should assist them uh, as we can uh, and should assist them where the Lord leads us to assist them, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's perfectly fine to, to expect something, uh, some responsibility on their part. I'm not expecting them coming, well, we'll give you a place to stay as long as you clean the church or, you know, uh, do, do something for me first, right? Uh, you are not going to play any games like that. So, but I just leave all that alone. You know, I don't have any unction in my heart to do anything in particular about that. Uh, but if, they, if one of them shows up, you know, we'll see what the Lord would have, to, have us to do, right? And we've bought a lot of hotel rooms for people over the years, and we have not bought a lot of hotels for, for people over the years, right? A lot of people come up and say, can I get a hotel room? Uh, and, um, and sometimes we say yes, and sometimes we say no. Well, why do you say no? I, if I don't have an unction to say yes, I just say no. It's, to me, I, I just leave it alone. Well, why, why would the Lord say no? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. But it's between you, you know, uh, so you, so... We're not going to be under pressure to do those things. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the only way to get out of uh, any poverty situation from a biblical perspective is to give. If you're in a poverty situation, the only way out is to give. Uh, and, and if all you have to give is your time, I'd give your time, right? I mean, uh, I had a fellow come by here uh, for several years. He'd come by like once a year. Uh, and and uh, he said, uh, I need some money. He said, but I want, you to, I want to do something for you before I do that money. Okay, all right. And I just give him, you know, we'll go sweep the, go sweep the parking lot. Okay. And, it, and it come back, and here you go. Well, he did that for years. You know, I haven't seen him in a while, so I'm not sure where he's at. But I've also had people, you know, to say, hey, if you give me $20, I'll come back on Thursday and do something for you. And uh, that's, we're batting 1000 on that one. They never come back on Thursday, right? If they ever say they're going to come back after you help them, uh, I mean, not, I mean, I'm not going to, again, accuse them, but so far, it's not worked out very well for them, right? It's not, they've not been a man of their word, right? Uh, and so, and you can usually tell when they're singing a song, right? Uh, and so, uh, help people where you can, but also don't be under pressure to, uh, to have the world dictate how you operate. You do what's in your heart. If it's not in your heart, don't do it. Well, well they need help. The world needs help. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. So that means there's nothing you can do. You'll never be, you'll never succeed. You'll never finish the job. Amen. Uh, you may be able to help some people, but there's always going to be a need there. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so if we can find that balance, you know, we'll be okay. Uh, amen. And so, again, we're not going to let the world pressure us on how we operate because the world, generally speaking, says, tells the church, shut up. Don't say anything about anything. Just give. Uh, give, st- give us stuff, right? And don't ask us about anything. Uh, and... The one fellow uh, that uh, I worked with for a while, a couple of years, uh, and you know, folks like that, can they kind of come and go, right? But work with them on and off for a couple of years. And, and I always say, where, where are you going to church? And he got so mad at me. He said, you pastors, you need to quit pressuring us to where we go to church. You just need to help us and quit, quit putting us under pressure. That's what he said. I'm like, uh, you said, you pastors, what do you think my job is? My job is to shepherd people right? My job is not to give people stuff. My job is to shepherd you in your life, right? Spiritually, primary, in the primary way. And, uh, and if I don't do that, I'm not doing my job. If all I give you is a ham sandwich, but I don't tell you anything about faith, I haven't done anything to help you, uh, you know, long-term anyway, you know, I mean, uh, and we've given away lots of boxes of food, right? So, you know, we do, we do what I think, especially for the R-Size ministry, we, we do uh, a lot of help in the community there. Uh, and so, and I got no problem with, with churches that do things right that do have big food ministries. I got no problem. I got no churches with, with they got homeless uh, programs. Uh, in fact, when we bought the building uh, next door, I think we're going to call it the annex now, right? The annex. When we bought that, um, I, I had several people say, "Oh, I heard you turn that into homeless uh, uh, building." I'm like, well, where, oh, where'd you hear that from? I, you know, I have a soup kitchen. I'm like. I'm not making, you don't want me to make, you don't want me to make soup. I mean, of all people, you don't want me to make, it's going to be dinty more in a can, right? Uh, that's the best thing you're going to get from me. Uh, and, and besides that, who's going to run it? I'm not going to run it. I've got studying to do and praying to do. I, you know, my, uh, you go to Acts chapter 6, and you, you read about that, right? And, but the, well, you're going to run that, aren't you? No, I'm not running that. I mean, if I had somebody come say, hey, pastor, you know, we want to be part of your church, and we want to run that thing, and, and we do Praise God, you know, no, no problem, right? I mean, if, if the Lord says yes, right, and we're not going to start some giant uh, program without direction from the Lord, 
uh, and, and uh, but uh, people, is, I, I heard this, what can you do? Really, who'd you hear that from? I need to find out, you know, uh, you told two friends and someone else told two friends. Uh, uh, I, my, my suspicion, not that I'm suspicious about it, was that uh, certain people were trying to pressure us into doing that. And they, that they thought that we should do that. They didn't want to do it for us, that they just thought we should, they really thought I should do it. Well, I ain't doing that. And so that is not the call of God upon the ministry, amen. Uh, and so we'll find the balance and, and we'll be okay. And, and, uh, and I know that that whole discussion may have made a lot of people mad if they ever heard it, right? I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but don't tell me what to do, right? You show me by example what you're going to do, and then I'll, I'll show you by example what the Lord tells me to do. Uh, and so, uh, and just leave it alone. I'm, you know, why would I tell, well, that church, you know, that church is twice as big as ours. They should have a homeless, none of my business, right? Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, people just, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're funny about stuff like that, right? Uh, and so, uh, but like I said, uh, the, the cure for every person in poverty, every single person in poverty, the only cure spiritually is to, is to give. Uh, and I'm not trying to get a penny out of their pocket. You don't have to give to me. Give to somebody, right? Find somebody. If you're, if you're financially broke, uh, find somebody and give them a penny, a dollar, whatever, right? If you need a job, you go volunteer somewhere and, and give your uh, part of your life until you get that job, right? If you need uh, if you need a car, then, uh, you know, you believe God for that, but you give in other areas of your life. You've got to give, amen? That's the, only, that's the only answer to out of poverty is to give. Uh, and some people, you know, uh, I'm not saying that to get anything out of, your, out of your pocket. I don't care, right? You don't have to give to me at all. Uh, and so, uh, because if, if I say, and I, I know ministries who say things like that, well, you know, we're a great, we're a great um, uh, 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 soil, right? We're a great soil. You need to give here because if you give here, we have a special poverty-breaking anointing, debt-busting anointing, blah, 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 blah. There's no such thing, right? Uh, the, you give and receive. The receiving comes because of the faith of your giving, not because of the destination of your giving. Uh, and so some people think if, I, if my destination is good soil, then, then I, get a, I get a good, because they're taking the, 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 the sowing and reaping uh, analogy too far. And they're misplacing it, right? They're thinking that the sowing has to be done in certain soil. The soil is faith, right? You are the, the Bible says you are the, the soil of God, right? You are the garden. You are God's garden. Uh, and so you're sowing faith. You're not sowing the finances. It's not the, the mechanical act of sowing a dollar. It's the faith of you saying, Lord, when I sow this, it's going to be multiplied according to the need, and I'll receive back from that gift. It's the faith is what you're sowing. Uh, and so... Uh, it's not the destination that matters. It's the faith that, that you sowed it with is what matters. Uh, and so if I, but if I get up here, well, if I do, if I say that, nobody will give. I'm not, if I pressure you into giving, then, then I, I, I'm blessed, but you're not. Because if you're only giving out of pressure, then, then you're not doing it by faith. You're doing it by coercion. So uh, how many times has the ministries have coerced people to give or snookered people into giving to them because we're great soil? But they don't give by faith, they give because they think, well, if I give to that building over there, then I'll get a big return. But no faith in their giving, their faith is in the receiving, the, the, their faith is in the, the building that they sowed it into. Well, you shouldn't have faith in me. I, I can do nothing for you. Your faith has to be in, in your, Father, your word says this. And if I give, your word says, with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give it to my bosom. Uh, and that's it. Uh, and so give, right? Give. Uh, and if you're if you're uh, if you're tight, give more, right? Uh, if uh, um, uh, it's just uh, the only way out is to give, amen. That's the only way I know, and from the Word of God, from beginning to the end, that's the only way I know to get out of poverty. And I've been out of poverty since the day I got born again. I was in poverty before I got born again. After I got born again, I was not, not a day have I been in poverty. Um, and as I've always given, you know, when I got to church, they said you should give. Well, okay. I guess I'll give, right? And, and nobody told me that was a bad thing. Uh, it's always been a good thing, amen? Uh, and so, so he said that, uh, uh, that he's thankful for uh, the churches at Macedonia. Multiple churches were a blessing to him, even in their poverty, amen? Did he receive it? He did receive it. Uh, well, that's just wrong. You're telling me that the word of God, that Paul was inspired by the spirit of God to write these words is wrong to do it, do this. Well, then, then you have decided that you're more correct than the Word of God and the, and the Spirit of God, amen? Uh, 
Is there a law? Should you always do that? No. I mean, there's, because sometimes people will be under pressure to give. And if they're under pressure to give, I don't want to receive. I don't want to receive their pressure and pressured giving, right? Because there's no faith in that. And it's not going to do them any good. And it's going to make me feel bad. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it would be perfectly fine not to accept that. In fact, let's turn over to, uh, we're in 2 Corinthians, turn over to 1 Corinthians. So Paul did receive from the churches at Macedonia, but we're going to look at here a couple cases where Paul did not receive from the churches. Here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's start in verse 11. It says, if you have sown, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? That word carnal there means natural things, right? And so Paul is really making the case of uh, the, the agreement that, that we have, that the ministry has with the people that are receiving from the ministry. So if I'm standing up here and I'm giving you spiritual things, right? I'm teaching you what the Word of God says. I'm giving you uh, spiritual food. Paul said, is it any great thing that, that we reap from you? So I'm giving to you spiritual things. Uh, is there any problem with me uh, reaping from you or receiving from you natural things? In other words, finances? Uh, is, it, is there a problem with that? Well, there's not a problem with that. First of all, no matter how much you give, you can't pay for the value of what you're getting spiritually, right? I mean, if you're, if you're, getting good, if you're being fed good food from the Word of God, how much is uh, healing school uh, worth to everybody, right? If you came to healing school, uh, and, uh, of course, we've been, we're starting our ninth year in, in healing school, that's like two PhDs right there, right? Uh, that's if you go to eight years, nine years of college, that's two PhDs right there. Uh, and so how valuable is that to, to people if they can stay in divine health? Uh, you know, one surgery could be $100,000. You ever given $100,000 to a church? Uh, I mean, your insurance, you know, you, I mean, you probably haven't done that to the hospital. Your insurance probably did. Uh, but what, what, what price is there on, on spiritual things? Well, there's no price, right? Uh, and so you can't really, you're not really paying for the value of the service, right? Hopefully, you know, well, I think that was a dollar service, right? I mean, he didn't really have it today, so we're going we're gonna to really stretch. We're gonna, I think he did a dollar message, right? Uh, well, maybe it was a dollar message. I don't know. Uh, but are, are, you, are you really paying? You're not paying for the services rendered, right? It's sowing and reaping. I'm sowing spiritual things in your life, and the ministry is reaping back from you as you know, sowing and reaping, right? So I'm, and that's what Paul said. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it's a great thing if we reap from you natural things or carnal things. Uh, he said, if others be partakers of this power over you or this authority over you, are we not rather? So, uh, in other words, he's talking about people that, uh, that, that uh, other people that maybe they work for somebody uh, and, um, you know, they're sowing money into them or, or that person is sowing time into them and they're reaping uh, from them money. Uh, and so he said, you know, if, the, if you've got that contract over there in your job, he said, how much more valuable is it from a natural contract to a supernatural contract, right? Uh, and, and yet he says, uh, uh, shouldn't we be able to do that uh, even beyond them? He said, nevertheless, we have not used this authority or this power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul is saying, look, it's perfectly fine to, to expect that if I sow spiritual things in your life to reap natural things. Uh, and, and that's always been the biggest struggle in my personal life as a minister, because I just, I, I just, I don't ever want to be uh, that guy, right, who, who's always on the make, who's always trying to get a dollar out of your pocket. You know, and I never will be that guy, but I, I just, I don't want the ministry, uh, you know, uh, and again, it's none of my business how other ministries do it, but some ministries, it just seems like everything is a profit center, right? Uh, we, or, you know, we got CDs, and we're going to sell them for, you know, seven, $10, right? Well, how much is a good message worth? Is it really worth 10 bucks only, right? I mean, $1,000, right? If you, if you sold it for what you think it's worth, it's a they're all $1,000, right? Uh, and, and, I mean, it's just like everything. It just seems like it's a profit center. Uh, and, you know, I just, I don't know, I just have a hard time with that, you know. Um, and so, because I want to be a giving church as opposed to a receiving church, amen? Uh, and because I'm a giving church, we will be a receiving church. Uh, so you can't really get out of that uh, situation. But... Um, so Paul, Paul is telling the Corinthians, look, you know, uh, and I'll read one other uh, translation for the, those verses for you. It'd be a little bit easier than the, than the King James. It says, therefore, if we planted things of the Spirit within you, is it such a big thing for us to harvest things of the flesh from you? 
And if the people you work for are benefiting from your efforts, shouldn't we benefit from them even more? Yet we haven't really used the full authority that we have, for we've been taken care of, of ourselves so that we don't get in the way of the good news about the anointed one, about the gospel of Christ. Uh, and so that translation, I think, makes it a little bit clearer about what he's saying there. And so, you know, you've got to be careful that, uh, you know, some ministries, well, we can only come uh, unless, uh, if we expect a certain number, a certain amount of the offering. Well, then it's a hinder, hindrance, right? Because then they, you know, if they say, well, it's got to be $50,000. Well, they're not going to come here, right? Uh, if that's the minimum, if that's the, if that's the ante, right, for you to get here, uh, like it's a poker game, right? Uh, and so... Uh, if we've got to ante up $50,000 for you to appear, well, then you're probably not going to come here, right? Because uh, we've never given $50,000 in, in an offering. Uh, could we someday? Well, you know, I believe we will someday, right? And we do give for our church, so I think our church, we do pretty well uh, for guest ministers, uh, but we've not given $10,000 to anybody or, or $50,000 to anybody. Uh, and so that would be a hindrance, right? If Paul said, well, unless you can guarantee me a certain amount of income, and some ministers do that. Uh, some ministers... Uh, one, uh, some ministers, you know, if they've got airplanes, well, uh, I'll come, but you have to first send a check for, you know, $5,000 for fuel for me to show up. Uh, and then plus the offering, right? Uh, that's a thing, right? Uh, and so, uh, that's, you know, none of my business, right? But um, uh, when I read verses like this, you know, to me, it's like if, if my ability to minister to you is hindered by you not being able to give me the money that I expect, then that's a hindrance, right? And that's on my side, right? It's not on your side, it's on my side, that I, I'm not going to come and be a minister to you unless you meet this qualification. I, I have a little bit of a hard time with that because when I read verses like that, Paul said, look, I'd just rather not receive anything from you. I'll just come for no charge, no offering at all. And, and so that's what he did, right? He came, uh, he, he, said, he said, I have, a, I have a spiritual right to do it, to receive from you. He said, but I'm just not going to do it right now. Uh, real quick, turn over uh, for, uh, to Second Thessalonians chapter three. We're in Second uh, Corinthians, so Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians is right after First Thessalonians, right? And in chapter three, he says in verse uh, eight here. He said, "Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, uh, but." Uh, <clears throat> but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we, not, we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power or authority, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. And again, let me read this from another translation. It said, Indeed, we didn't even ask anyone to provide us with food. Instead, we worked hard, we worked hard day and night so we wouldn't be a burden on any of you. Now, he said that to the church at Corinth, He's now saying this is the church at Thessalonica. So two different churches, right? Uh, two different locations. He said, this, this isn't because we aren't authorized to ask for such things, but because we wanted to set an example for you to imitate. Uh, and so Paul would go to, to churches of any size, right? And wherever the Lord would send them, he'd go. And it wasn't necessary for them to have a certain number of people uh, or necessary to have a certain amount of income. Uh, in fact, if he, thought it, if he thought it was going to be a burden for them to provide for him financially while he was there, he'd say, look, no, no problem. Uh, I'm going to be, and he was a tent maker, right? He would make tents. Uh, uh, him and the people on, on his uh, ministry staff, they would, they would sew tents, right, during the day. Uh, he, he said, and that's what he's saying. I worked hard day and night so we wouldn't be a burden on any of you. And so he was willing to work on his own uh, to, to earn income. Now, is it, is it, uh, is it spiritually okay to receive uh, offerings from the ministry? Sure it is, right? He did it from the churches at Macedonia and specifically the church of Philippi. And yet two other churches, he said, look, we're not going to receive anything from you. So, so that's the balance that we need to have uh, in, in, the, uh, in the church, right? Uh, especially traveling ministers more so than pastors, uh, but traveling ministers. And look, uh, if people want to come to the church and they don't have any money, well, do I have to give if I go to the church? No, you don't have to give. Right? I mean, we're going to give you an opportunity to give, but you don't have to give. It's not, it's not you know, well, how much are you going to give before you come to church here? You know, uh, let me see, uh, uh, if, if, can I see a personal uh, financial statement before we, uh, before we start this membership deal? Uh, no, there's nothing like that that goes on, obviously, right? That would be foolish. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, I really like Paul's attitude in it, that he's willing to do whatever it took to do those things. And look, some, some, I know over the years, there has been some, uh, 
uh, it's not been a, it's been a while, but there's been uh, sometimes where there's pressure that, uh, you know, I'm a pastor of a small church. So uh, if you're going to pay me what I'm worth, you, you can't afford me, right? Uh, because what I was making before I was a pastor was a lot more uh, than you'd be able to pay me as a pastor, right? And so does that mean I shouldn't be a pastor? Does that mean I should only be a pastor of a big church? You know, some, some pastors are like, well, unless I'm pastor of a big church, you know, I'm not pastoring. Unless, you know, and I know the Bible, there's a lot of things the Bible says that, that workman is worthy of his wages. He is, right? And I'm worthy of my wages. Uh, but uh, am I going to say, well, Lord, I can't pastor that church because they can't afford me. Uh, and so, well, then you should be okay being in poverty. I'm not okay with that. Are you okay with that? You know, and so <laughs> you, if you're, if you're going to be in poverty, fine, none of my business, but I ain't going to be that way. Uh, and so the Lord will take care of me in other ways. And he has, right? And he's allowed us to, to be a pastor here and not be a financial burden to the ministry. And we've been pastoring the church since, for 15 years. Uh, and um, it'll be 16 years in March. Uh, and so uh, when we got no, we're not, we're not mad or bitter about it, you know, because uh, it, it would take, uh, the church would have to, uh, I mean, I don't know what the number would be. We've been pastoring 15 years and 15 years ago, I was making uh, a lot of money, uh, what would I be making today if I was still working, right? And so you're way behind, uh, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we'll, we'll find that balance, amen? Uh, and I believe because I'm willing to sow my life into the ministry, the Lord is obligated to take care of me, even if, if, if the, the, the quantity of people here are not able to do it, the Lord is able to do it, amen? Uh, and there's no regrets or, or disappointment at all in that. That's just the way it is. That, and I'm willing to do that. And if I'm willing to do that, he's willing to do that. And I think that's a pretty good deal. Amen. Uh, and so, because, you know, I put a lot of years into ministry and studying and, and praying and pre- preparing. I could pastor a church of a thousand people tomorrow without any trouble. Um, but would I be in the will of God? I'd much be, rather be in the will of God and, and pastor the number of people I'm pastoring today than not be in the will of God and pastoring a thousand people. Amen. I don't think it's an either or. I think, you know, I could pastor a thousand people and maybe the Lord will have us have a thousand people here. He's done it plenty of times in small, small cities having a big church, uh, word of faith church. Amen. Uh, and so we're not constrained. We're not like, well, we don't want a big church. We want, a, we, want, we want everybody, we want every seat full and knocking out walls. Amen. We got no, we got no problem with the church growing and increasing and expanding. Uh, and when it does, and when the time comes and, and it's reasonable to pay me a, an actual salary, then, then I'll be fine with it, right? Uh, and so, well, well, the Lord will have to work on me between now and then, right? But uh, he will. Uh, and so, because we don't want to steal, we don't want to uh, steal the opportunity from you to give. If, you, if the church is making a certain amount of income and you want to be, uh, to be a blessing to me as a, as a pastor and to provide a, a reasonable income to me, then... Um, you know, the, the, Lord will be, the Lord will have to work on that, and, but I'll be okay with it. Amen. Uh, but I'm okay where I'm at right now. I'm content where I am. Amen. No problem, not, not mad or bitter or anything. I would just, you know, there's no, never any grumbling at all. Amen. Uh, and uh, we'll have our business meeting actually uh, next month. We always do it in February. And uh, we'll give all those details out to you guys so you know all those, those things there. So, but we can find the balance. I like Paul. He has such a good balance, right? Like, hey, if I got, if they need help, that's the most important thing. What if they can't provide you financially? That's not, that's not the most important thing. That's, that's second, third, fifth on the list, 100th on the list, right? Number one thing is, Lord, you want me to go? I'm going. What if they can't provide for me? Not, that's, not the, that's, not a, that's not a consideration of whether or not you go. And, the, and from Paul's perspective, that's the, that's the balance he found. Uh, and if, if uh, a minimum salary is a requirement for me to pastor this church, then, then I'll never find the will of God. Amen. If because uh, the Lord will always provide for me, uh, and so as long as I stay in the will of God, He'll always provide for me. However, how whatever it takes. Amen. Uh, and so, and, and we're thankful. And this church has always been a, a financial, financially prosperous church. We've always had all the money we've needed. We always will, because we're a giving church. Amen. Uh, and so, but uh, Paul did have a lot to say about finances and we, and we still haven't covered everything he said about finances. We'll cover a few more things uh, next week there as we go through there. But I, I think it's just good to see Paul had a lot to say about it and he had a really good balance of everything. Uh, and there's so much extreme in the area of finances that, well, we can never talk about uh, being abased. Well, Paul did, right? And he said he was content in that. Uh, and so uh, can you be content whatever situation you're in? You should be able to be, right? 
and so praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that, uh, uh, that finances were not the number one priority for Paul's ministry. The number one priority for Paul's ministry, Father, was to do the work of the ministry, was to do what you've called him to do, was to go where you asked him to go, Father. Uh, and, and the finances to get there and the finances when he was there were not the highest priority. In fact, multiple times, Father, that he said, although he could, he just wasn't going to receive an offering in that moment. And so we thank you for that, Father. We thank you, Father, that finance should never be the, the primary uh, importance of any ministry. Uh, and, Lord, we ask you for grace and wisdom and, uh, and strength because you always will provide that, Father, so we never have to live like that. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. Amen. You know, I told you the very first service we had uh, uh, when we started the church, we had a bunch of visitors and um, a bunch of people wanted to come out and just support us, right? Hey, uh, you know, we, we're going to this church over here, but, but uh, we've known you for a long time. So we're just going to come and, and uh, fellowship you on day one just to let you know we support you, right? And the Lord said, don't receive an offering. And the church was full. You know, it wasn't full after that for a long time, right? Uh, and never, in fact, never was full on a regular basis like that first day. Uh, and so I come ahead, Mr. Dear, to receive the offering. Uh, and, um, well, did I miss out? I didn't miss out on an opportunity to, to no, I didn't, no. That's, but I, I did have a fellow come up to me after service. Well, you should have received an offering. You had all the, and he actually said that. You had all these people come. You, you know, you could have received a big offering. I'm like, you are such a Judas, that's what I thought. You're such, a, you're such a thief. Because if the Lord said don't receive an offering, then I'm, I'm perfectly fine with not receiving an offering. Uh, and uh, it's just, I mean, one time uh, we'll go, but uh, we haven't done this since then, but uh, one, it was around Christmas time, the Lord said, uh, take, take the offering and just give it away. Give it to all the people in the church right now. Okay, so I received the offering. said, okay, it's up here. If you need any money for Christmas, come up here and get it. And, you know, and I knew a bunch of people needed that money, right? And they're like counting ceiling tiles, you know, like, oh, wow, somebody should go up there. And I said, look, if you don't come up here, I'm going to put it in my pocket. You know, I, I, don't, I, I really wouldn't have done that. But, uh, and, but it took a long time, you know, and I had one guy come up after, he, I'd never seen anything like that before. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll do it again if the Lord tells me to do it, because I don't care, it's just money, right? Uh, and so the Lord is good, Amen. Uh, we'll be blessed. Don't forget, we have prayer uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock, uh, and um, we'll see you then.